Namaste and welcome. This is Jainil Dalal and you are listening to the Design MBA. This podcast is a real-life MBA program for designers where we interview design hustlers and learn the skills, mindset necessary for a designer to launch a business venture. You can learn more, find past episodes and stay updated at designmba.show. Why are you listening to this podcast? Think about it. Deep down, you want to grow in your design career. And I've been in your shoes. I've pushed pixels for years without really knowing how the hell do I grow in my design career. So I've created a free email course for you to help you level up your design career. The strategies I share in this 7-day email course are actionable and used by over 700 plus designers with success. So head over to levelup.designmba.show or you can find the link to this email course in the show notes. Level up your design career today. So today, I've got an amazing guest with me, Saptarshi Prakash, or as friends and people around him fondly call him Sapta. Sapta loves solving problems, right? He went to the MIT of India, which is also called Indian Institute of Technology, Madras, but he chose digital experience design because once again he loves problem solving as a professional he's worked with some of the well-known startups in india like housing.com zera and many other big names he's currently seeing consumer design at swiggy which is india's largest food ordering and delivery platform he has also delivered 50 plus ux talks and workshops at various places including amazon grab shopee iit bombay iit guwahati nit bangalore etc when he's not designing, he's completely lost on drafting his next design talk or traveling to some far off country. So without further ado, Sapta, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to have you here. Thank you, Janil. Thanks for inviting me. I think what you're doing is an awesome stuff and uh, I feel honored to be a part of this. Thanks for inviting once again. Absolutely, man. I'm kind of curious, like, what was your journey growing up? Did you always wanted to do design or were you like just following the traditional route, let's say in India, like become an engineer or a doctor? No, I, I don't think I ever thought that I would be a designer. Like uh, if you ask my school days, not at all. You know, I, I loved computers. So I thought that, you know, I need to do something with, with the computer. So the obvious option was to maybe be a software engineer or an engineer, right? Any kind of engineer. You would want to build stuff, right? Then your parents would be like, if you want to, if you want to build a computer or if you want to do stuff with a computer, you need to be an engineer or Oh, no, that's how I was naturally trained. Yeah. Not that anyone forced me to, mm-hmm. but school days, you know, when I was in high school, that's exactly when I started designing in a way. So I think it was, uh, I was in seventh or eighth standard, don't quite remember. Uh, so that's when I got my first personal computer at home, you know, so the parents bought me and it came with a printer and it came with Adobe Photoshop installed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> if you're not getting to the details of that, but yes, oh Adobe God. Photoshop was pre-installed. So, yeah. uh, I wanted to, I wanted to learn to make, uh, greeting cards for my friends and relatives. You know, uh, I had a printer, so I need to show off that, hey, I, yeah. I can make this digital cards for you. So somebody told me that Photoshop is the tool to do. Mm-hmm. So I started exploring. I didn't have internet back then that, you know, I would check some tutorials or something. Oh, yeah. It was all trial and error. So I would open Photoshop, you know, start playing around with different tools, you know, start editing photos, change the color of my t-shirts or the hairstyle and all. Yeah. That's it. That That's how I ventured into design. And it ended there. Nothing more. You know, then after my 10th standard, I, 
I moved to a different city to, you know, for this IAT coaching and all. Uh, we have this thing here in India. So, uh, oh, you went to Kota? years of my 11th. I didn't go to Kota. So I came to Hyderabad. I joined Fiji there and I stayed in a hostel, of course. So in those two years, that is 11th and 12th, uh, I was completely cut off from everything, including my, my, you know, uh, the stuff that I used to do with yeah. Photoshop and my computer. It was like all academics. Uh, but then when I got into IIT, so, there I saw that. Real quick. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So you said you moved, which city did you move to? Hyderabad. Oh, Hyderabad. Okay. And you know, like yeah. I mean, for two years, you're planning for IIT and, um, you know, it's one of the most competitive exams in the world, um, the IIT JEE. I remember my tuition teacher telling me something like, Tum se ho which translates to, <laughs> I mean, you're trying, but unfortunately, you're not going to make it. So try looking at other options. So did you feel that you're going to break into the IITs or did you feel like you had that caliber? There's a lot of luck factor in it. Uh, because uh, everyone puts effort and everyone uh, is, you know, fairly intelligent to appear for it. Yeah. But then what happens on those six hours, it used to be six hours back then yeah. uh, uh, in our time, like two papers. Yep. So what happens during those six hours, you never know. Yeah. You know, so I have seen a lot of people who were seemingly better than me when, uh, you know, we were in the classes and all, but they couldn't make it. And then, you know, there were people who were not as good as me uh, made it in a better way than me. So you can't wow. really say what happens on the final day. So uh, there's a bit of luck factor as well, but uh, I don't think there is anything extraordinary about it. Uh, your concepts needs to be very clear. I mm -hmm. think that's the point of IDJ exam. That's what differentiates it from the other competitive exams, at least out here in India. So, you know, you need to get to the core of the problem, yeah. like they say, right? Only then you'll be able to solve. So none of the questions that they ask are, you know, apply a formula and you get the answer. Yeah. Uh, none of the questions are like that. So, yeah. So <laughs> what was, was your, kind of um, the all India rank or the AIR as they say it? Remember? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I think it was around 1800 something, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Yeah. So, when you got into IIT Madras, and it was just like one of the top sought, off, sought after IITs, how did your perception change? Because it's like almost like if somebody gets into MIT, I mean, they must feel similarly how you got into IIT, like, okay, maybe I'm a, I'm a genius. I've got this, like, did it get to your head? Or like, how did you deal with that? <laughs> not at all, not at all. Because uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I mean, I would hope to be a genius someday, right? <laughs> but uh, certainly haven't been one yet. So uh, I think the great thing about IITs are that uh, you get to meet a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, uh, seniors and juniors and your batchmates yeah. who are extremely good at something or the other. It yeah. doesn't have to be, you know, academics or engineering yeah. all the time. So, you know, IIT is a kind of place where you may find an extremely good, say, musician, yeah. an extremely good uh, guitarist, an extremely good cricketer, an extremely good designer, yeah. filmmaker. You will find all those sort of people. Okay. So I would say, you know, Excellence is highly valued in a place like IIT mm -hmm. and everyone strives towards that. You know, we literally uh, grew up in IIT listening to stories of seniors who had done wonders in very short time. You know, oh, wow. so, you know, there was a, we had this cultural fest called Sarang. Okay. Yeah. So uh, every year we would have Sarang and uh, there, there was a teaser that would be made for the festival every year. Mm -hmm. So we would see one teaser, very beautifully made teaser. Yeah. Okay for one of the past editions. And then we would hear stories from our seniors that, you know, this teaser what was made by so-and-so person in oh. just one night. Oh, wow. So at night, the guy had no clue how to use After Effects or video editing. So he spent the whole night browsing tutorials, learning yeah. stuff. And the next morning, he had this wonderful teaser in front of him. So, you know, we, we, we grew up listening to such stories. Yeah. 
So it made us felt like okay if he can do it or she yeah. can do it I can do it too yeah. right so 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 that, that that's the kind of motivation uh, which I got to live with and I would say that's one of my key takeaways from IIT so I wouldn't say that you know IIT taught me to be the best electrical engineer or mm-hmm. the best something it gave me the confidence that I can do anything if I put the right effort okay so I think that has come a long way with me and even today even till date you know if I see something and uh, i don't get scared of it yeah i know that if i spend a couple of nights or a little more time i will be able to master it because i have seen my seniors doing it i have seen myself doing it yeah. so that's a confidence uh, that prevails in a place like iit i would say so basically iit taught the pursuit of excellence is more important than just the end goal is this what i'm getting from you yes but now yes it's like a double edged sword if you have everyone around you trying to like be the best at whatever they're doing It's in a way it's not a rat race but you're still stuck in that competition so did it ever kind of like wear you down like oh my god everybody's trying to compete here well not really you know uh, it's not that everyone's trying to compete with each other out there mm-hmm. the, although yes a part of it is true what you have just said uh, but yeah one thing which hits you is you know before you get into an iit in your respective uh, you know schools uh you are like one of the toppers yes. right everyone looks up to you you know <laughs> but then when all these toppers from different schools ah. come at one place then you're not the topper anymore yeah. right <laughs> you're just an average out there because of course you know among them also there could be some toppers yeah. but i certainly wasn't one of them so <laughs> so that that happens to a lot of people you know you are used to a certain kind of treatment yeah. and then you come to a place then you're not that okay and but but luckily it didn't affect me so much because uh, you know i got into many other stuff you know i i you know i was i was always engaged at doing something you know this club that club you yeah. know this extracurricular activity or this design that video or something so i i i kept myself really busy all the time so that was wow. one advice our seniors gave us in our first year that uh, be active be busy mm-hmm. you know as if you know you are the busiest person in the world keep doing everything that you can so i took that very seriously and uh, so i didn't really have the time free time to think, think about, about the fact yeah. that oh damn i'm not the topper anymore or yeah. you know i'm i'm not getting that attention or something because i i i got that kind of attention in something else maybe yeah. right so so that that's how it was so what was your major in iit you know, i was in electrical engineering so this was a five year course it's called dual degree so in five years i would get a bachelor's as well as a master's degree normally if you go the normal yeah. way it would take you six years yeah. because two years of masters and four years of bachelor's so this is like an integrated sort of course yeah. so in five years you get both the degrees so you still have that passion and love for graphic design you're designing stuff for the cultural festivals you're getting involved in that so why not switch halfway from this electrical engineering major to just design major there Well one simple reason was uh, we didn't have design major at IIT Madras okay. we still don't have it design is not a department mm-hmm. uh, there's an engineering design but then that's different that's different from you know the industrial design which is there in IIT Bombay or IIT Guwahati mm-hmm. so first of all the option wasn't there and secondly i feel you know even if the option was there i probably wouldn't switch it's not that i hated electrical engineering mm-hmm. i didn't love it enough to spend my whole life with it i see okay so i would i would put it that way so uh, you know one thing was uh, one thing which 
you know, makes you good or makes you desirable in the world is, of course, you know, everyone is good at doing what you like. Yeah. But how good are you at doing something you don't necessarily like? Oh, yeah. Because your life will be filled with such stuff as well. Like today, I'm a designer. So, you know, you know, you can say that I'm living my life because I love yeah. doing it. But in spite of that, there are lots of boring stuff, which I do not like to do as part of design <laughs> as well. Right. But but my job needs me to effectively do them as well. So, <laughs> you know, that kind of taught me that I don't really like electrical engineering so much. <laughs> But I, I still have to write my exams. So yeah. that way, you know, like, I don't know, I, in design, I, I really hate um, making merch cards. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's a team uh, which, there's a separate team which does it, but at times, you know, I need to make it and, and direct it in a way so that, you know, I can pass it over to that team so that they can take it forward. Yeah. That's something that I, I do not particularly enjoy all the time. Yeah. Once in a while, yeah, it's fine. But <laughs> yeah. I see. So... After you graduated with like the dual degrees from IIT, we come to like the placement season. So did you end up taking yeah. a job in some electrical I, company or what happened there? Yeah, I ended up picking a uh, company. Uh, I mean, that wasn't the time, you know, when I thought that I would switch to design. I knew that electrical engineering is not what I want to do, but then I was more of a, uh, you know, a manager or a leader sort of person. So I thought that maybe yeah. eventually I will go and, uh, you know, go to an IM or something and get an MBA and get into the corporate life yeah. because I felt that I would do better in those, right? In fact, I, I, I just casually wrote CAT as well and uh, I got called from one or two IMs, but not the top three ones, no Ahmedabad, Bangalore and Calcutta. I, I didn't go for the GDPI as well because they were the new IMs, you know, like the, the Rothirk yeah. and Cori Code, those the new IMs. I didn't yeah. really want to go there because I felt that it would undermine my IIT degree. I mean, I was so arrogant to say it that way, but I just didn't go. Okay. So I, I ended up taking a, a non-core placement in IIT. Uh, that, that's apparently a mm -hmm. thing, you know, uh, there's a trend that the non-core companies, that is, uh, say, finance or general management yeah. or those kind of companies, they tend to pay you more <laughs> than, than your yeah. core engineering ones. Uh, so that wasn't the main reason. I think I wanted to get in that kind of a role. So I got into a managerial, I got into an MBA sort of role uh, in my first job yeah. uh, that I got from my uh, campus placements. Uh, it was an American multinational company. And uh, of course, you know, the office was in Bangalore and uh, I was a project manager there. So I thought, okay, good enough. You know, I'll get to be a manager yeah. right from my day one. And uh, till then, I never thought that, you know, design would be a thing because Design would always remind me of that guy who sits at the Xerox shop, you know, you go yeah. and he quickly designs something on Corel Draw, And then, so I thought that designer would be that. So I didn't want to be that. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be something better in case I want to, in case I uh, pursued design. So that, that's the reason why I never thought of design as a career, even when I was graduating in 2014. So while you're working in, as a, in the project management and product management at this MNC, were you still practicing with the design tools or you had completely lost touch with it? I was still practicing. I was casually, you know, I would do something. And uh, that was when, uh, you know, people started saying that, you know, there's nothing in graphic design. You need to start making interfaces. UX and UI okay. is the thing, right? So I would just casually try my hands at something. Okay. So it's actually then when I got the opportunity. So the year was 2015. That was one year after mm -hmm. I uh, took up this job. Uh, that was the time when, you know, people started talking about design and startups out here in India. Okay. So there was yeah. this company called housing.com. Uh, I'm sure you know about it. Yeah. So they uh, raised a lot of money and a hundred millions or something. And, uh, you know, they started putting those full page ads on newspapers and everyone started talking, even a layman started talking that it's a very well-designed app. It can be compared yeah. to the 
to the ones in uh, say in San Francisco or the Bay Area, the kind of products which yeah. are made. So everyone started talking about housing.com. And right along that time, you know, one of my college seniors from IIT itself, so he joined housing as a designer. He was just like me, you know, a design enthusiast mm-hmm. who also would, you know, design posters and t-shirts for yeah. <laughs> for fest and all. So uh, I was kind of following his footsteps. So he joined housing and one fine day he called me up and said that we are hiring more designers. So what do you want to join? So, you know, that's exactly how I professionally got into design. So it was that senior of mine who referred me to housing. And you, and you don't even have a design resume or a portfolio or anything at that point, right? Yeah, nothing at all. Nothing at all. So, you know, uh, that's what I said, you know. First of all, like I said, everyone was talking about the design of housing. So they were even saying yeah. that that's the best design team in India. So yeah. what happens? You naturally feel that, am I even qualified enough to work for yeah. the best design team of India? I don't even have a degree. I don't even have a yeah. uh, you know, certification in design. So will I, uh, what, what can I do there? So I, I asked the exact same question to my senior. So he said that, don't worry, <laughs> design is less about aesthetics. Of course, you're good at aesthetics as well because you know we design posters, t-shirts and all. It's about thinking. It's about analytical, uh, able to break mm-hmm. down problems and stuff. I said, okay, let's give it a shot. And uh, he said that, don't worry about portfolio, whatever you have, just share with them and they will give yeah. you a case study. They will give you a problem to work on. So give your best oh, at wow. that. They'll give your best okay. at that. You know, the assignment like they say. So that's what I did. You know, my portfolio, which I sent to them back then was uh, hilarious. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> if I see that kind of a portfolio today, I would reject. I'd say that you haven't worked hard enough. <laughs> it is a greeting card. Oh my God. No, no, not greeting card. So, okay. I thought that, okay, this is going to be a UX role. So let me quickly make some UX related stuff. Uh, let me make yeah. some mobile screens and give uh, superficial stuff mostly. So that's what I had given. So uh, yeah, I know that it worked back in 2015, but it's not going to work in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so it's way more competitive. Yeah. So and then they gave me an assignment, and there I worked really hard. Uh, I remember I took what I think was the one. It, it was a simple, you know, calendar app or a weather app or something like that. Uh, but I remember that I considered each and everything, you know, every detail. What would oh, happen wow. if this goes wrong? What would happen if this is happening? That is happening. So I considered all the cases. So I think that mm-hmm. impressed them. Uh, I don't know. No one ever told me. But now that uh, now I look back, I feel maybe those were the reasons why they thought that I could qualify to be a part of housing's design team. And that's what that's how I professionally got into design. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you're taking use of your engineering degree because, I mean, part of the thing we were taught in engineering is to kind of think about all these different scenarios. Like if this happens, then what are you going to do? If this happens, what are you going to do? And it seems like you're taking that analytical thinking that you learned for all those years in engineering, questioning the why, what if this happens? Sure. And then you pretty much, I think, you applied that to that design challenge of the calendar app. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and not just that, even before engineering, like I told you, right, IITJ is a kind of exam where you cannot crack it with with the formula by learning the formulas alone. Yeah. Right? You need to understand the core of it. What exactly is happening? Because first, the first yeah. level of solving happens inside your head. And the second yeah. level of solving only happens on paper and pen, you know, where you calculate, maybe yeah. apply some formulas. So the first part was something which is very important yeah. for design. Right. So it's like getting to the core of the problem and not just on the skin. So you need to understand yeah. what exactly is wrong and fix that because that's going to, uh, that's going to make the impact. So yeah. And, and until today, and, until today, every work mm-hmm. that I do, uh, it involves me going to the core of the problem. What is actually the problem so that I can solve it better? Wow. And now you had a very well paid job at the MNC where you're working in sort of like a leadership role. It wasn't a leadership role, but uh, yeah, it, it was a job with a fair amount of authority, I would say. Yeah. yeah. 
So were you worried about this is your first job in design? How are you going to do the negotiation and the salary? Because I'm not sure even if they had all the publicly salaries available on Glassdoor at that time. So uh, were you worried that you might not ask the best rate or the best offer? So you're talking about my first design job? That's at housing? Yeah. Yeah, so there I didn't negotiate. I didn't negotiate at all because, uh, you know, okay. uh, today I, I tell everyone that, you know, interview is a two-way process. You interview the company and yeah. the company interviews you. But, you know, yeah. right back then it's like, you know, just let me in somehow. <laughs> so that was my <laughs> attitude inside. Of course, I didn't say that out. Uh, but uh, they gave me a really good hike. Okay. Um, so I think housing was known uh, to be one of those companies which pays really well. And they were actually redefining the things. Before housing, every yeah. other company would uh, not pay the designers as much as developers or any other role. Mm -hmm. Designers would always be underpaid because no one really valued yeah. design as much. So housing was the first company, you know, where where they where they made every all kind of payments, you know, uh, like consistent. A developer, an engineer, mm -hmm. a product manager, and a wow. designer would get paid in the same way. So that way, I think they gave me a very good hike, and I had nothing to say over that. I was actually grateful that they offered me a job and found me uh, capable enough. And I was happy with whatever they gave me. So there was no negotiation. Like that was out of the question. <laughs> wow. So now the first day on the job, you get, you, you clear the interview, they send you the offer letter and then you start on Monday, let's say. So you walk into the office. How are you dealing with this imposter syndrome, which is like, okay, I got the job now, but I still don't have a degree. I mean, I haven't worked at a design company and now I'm designing one of the best apps in India. Like, how did you deal with that? Oh, that was tough. You know, first one or two months were terrible. Uh, I had this imposter syndrome, like what you've said. I felt uh, back then, you know, the team was really big at housing. You know, I was the 40th okay. designer, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so I was like one of wow. the 40, there are 40, 39 other mm -hmm. designers. Okay. And I somehow had this feeling that everyone else is better than me. <laughs> okay. Oh. That's what I, I thought. <laughs> Okay. And then uh, I would see uh, people doing amazing stuff, you know, putting it on dribble and all these places. And, you know, the entire world is like going gaga over how good a design or how good yeah. a concept somebody has posted. It made me feel I have a long way to go. Right. And I remember my mm -hmm. first project was uh, a very silly one. It's a, now I had to make one model, right? Housing was yeah. a like real estate, you know, you could uh, find houses mm -hmm. for rent and buying. So, so it's like when a user clicks on, yes, I'm interested you contact the developer or the agent, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you fill in your name and your numbers and all phone numbers and all yeah. kind of gets pre-filled and then you click on send. I had to redesign yeah. that. Okay. That mm -hmm. was my work. And I did a terrible yeah. job. <laughs> now that I look back, <laughs> I did a terrible job because that was the first time I was designing professionally for a company. Mm -hmm. My my heart would always be beating above 100 BPS because I didn't yeah. know what was happening and uh, like I was made to do that. And I got some very critical feedback in my second week itself. You know, I was I was reminded that hey, wow. listen, you are you are still under probation, and if you do not do well, <laughs> we're gonna kick you out. So that's how they said it in a sugar-coated oh, way. Uh, and uh, you know, right before that, my job at MNC was you know how MNCs are, right? They're like extremely stable yeah. unless you go and slap your manager. They're not gonna yeah. let you You're out. You're not gonna get kicked out, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then I'm here at a startup, and on my second week itself, I get this kind of a feedback. So. But uh, but luckily, I took it in a very positive way. And uh, I had uh, colleagues uh, out there at housing who were forever ready to help me out. So, you know, I would go back from office and then, you know, just check the files of my colleagues. You know, how are they doing? How are they thinking? Yeah. How are they building the screen? I would, uh, you know, read up a lot of things in the internet. You know, what are the good practices, best practices and all. So mm -hmm. I would say, you know, that 
the first one or two months at my housing uh, i learned the most i learned the most ever in my career i would say because it was much needed right and uh, and i think it kind of it kind of paid off because uh, six months after me joining uh, there was a massive layoff at housing and uh, like mm-hmm. i said the team had 40 members and it got reduced yeah. to nine so they laid oh. off how many some uh, 31 members they laid off okay yeah i thought i would go okay there was no doubt yeah. about it i'm the worst of them right i had to go but luckily i stayed i was one of the nine mm-hmm. uh, could be also the reason that i was a fairly junior designer and probably didn't draw a lot of money so maybe that was one of the reasons why they yeah. retained me <laughs> whatever it was uh, but uh, that was a turning point because i know that if i had got if i had got laid off 6 uh, months after joining design i would never get back to it i'd probably take off another oh, wow. job or you know head over to one of the colleges for go an back mba to mnc yeah mnc <laughs> or an mba something i would certainly not go back to design but so that's why i would say that that's a turning point and after that actually i did some good work at housing because otherwise you know 1 by 40 you're just painting one small p- uh, pixel of the huge yeah. picture when there are just nine of them you get to do some considerable amount of work and that's exactly happened at housing that's insane man talk about luck and timing i had a similar journey where you know my background is electrical engineering from nirmala university um, or fondly called as the university by the same guy who made washing powder nirmala oh really um, okay <laughs> yeah okay, same awesome. guy karsan bhai patel okay um Uh, I did my undergrad in electrical and EC is the call it electronics and communication and uh then I moved to uh Dallas Texas and worked at uh Texas Instruments and Intel um again in the hardware and software field before I moved to design so I remember that time where the first time my job at um in design at AT&T I, and just similar to you there's like about 100 designers and you know there's this ego involved that are they going to call me out as a fraud like should i ask somebody something and there's only so much you can google online mm-hmm. yeah. so how did you deal with like overcoming that ego and saying that hey man uh, i don't know how you do this interaction or or how do we do this can you please teach it to me how do you deal with that you know i just went ahead and said so i knew that you know uh, yes i was not a fresh out of college but i was ba- just one year out of my college mm-hmm. so I knew that you know I need to learn if I were to live or if I need to survive in this industry in this company in mm-hmm. this field I will have to learn and I'll have to be shameless and ask the silliest questions and burn yeah. the midnight oil and do everything possible because like I said you know I had that feeling right if they kick me out mm-hmm. what do I do I have taken oh, this yeah. decision I have quit a very stable job a very good job just to follow this now I'll have to do justice mm-hmm. to it you know it's not just about yeah Uh, qualifying the interview it's about sustaining right the journey is much more yeah. important so and i would say my my manager at housing was uh, very friendly and uh, uh, she would guide me a lot like you know i think she was also one of the re- she was also one of the reasons why i didn't get laid off because maybe mm-hmm. she figured out the potential or whatever right so she said that you know what go and speak to other people there are wonderful people in this team go and speak to them mm-hmm. uh, understand what how they think how they do a certain thing i went and exactly did that you know so there wow. was another designer at housing his name was rama he's a, he's a great friend today of course you know he's like almost mm-hmm. like a family i remember i went to him i went and said you know mm-hmm. i'm trying to make this you know something that i was working on so how do you think i should approach 
So, you know, he gave me a bit of feedback, you know, do this, do that. And uh, he was also into motion design and interaction. So he showed me some interesting things. I remember he showed me the iOS app of Google Chrome. You know, there was a pull down or some sort of an interaction back then in Mm -hmm. 2015. So he said, you know, see, this is how people out there think, you know, everything doesn't have to be something, you know, a box on the screen that you tap. There could be many interesting things that you can talk about. So he told me that. Then I asked him, where do you do all this interesting motion design? He said, I use this tool called After Effects. I said, okay, I need to learn this. (laughs) So yeah, that's exactly how it happened. That's exactly how it happened. I went and spoke to people. They said, do this. And I went and did that. Mm -hmm. And then in the process, I figured out a lot of things, right? So I think that exercise, like I said, you know, the first two months at housing were insane. Were insane. I I would sleep very little. I would always be working. I would always be trying to learn something new. So yeah, that's how it was. So it seems to me that there was always that fear that, um, which is, which you can't ignore, which is like, okay, I'm on probation, something might go wrong and then they might kick me out and they had this layoffs. But I think what I see is that you had that passion, that desire to learn and talk to all these people. And I personally believe that if the management can see that, they will look past the other things, which is, oh, he didn't do this right or he made small mistakes in that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That's probably one of the reasons why I survived. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'm assuming then it became really easy once the layoffs happened and then you wanted to move on from housing to another company. You already had a portfolio now. So uh, then the journey was very simple. Yeah, it was relatively simpler after that. You know, it's, you know, I think it's all inside ourselves. There's one little voice which keeps telling you you're not good. And then one day you see that voice disappearing. And then you suddenly overnight you become a great designer. I think that happened to me. It's all inside us. You know, it, it's not that someone else will, will have to tell you that you are good or you're bad. The day you feel mm-hmm. you're good, you know that you nailed it. So <laughs> I okay. think that's how it was. It was just about taking that voice out of me, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of worked. And also a bit of validation as well. I think that was also the time when I uh, opened a dribble portfolio and I started posting yeah. work, right? And I started posting random stuff. You know, I started learn learn to animate mm-hmm. After Effects. I learned and I started posting yeah. things. And then when I saw that, hey, you know what? People all over the world are liking whatever I'm putting. You know, they are clicking mm-hmm. like they're saying that, hey, it's awesome. How did you do it and stuff? That gives you a lot of confidence that, okay, I'm at least in the right path maybe. So that mm-hmm. also helped. So it's part basically internal validation, but then also the external validation definitely helped. Yeah. As you be, as you remove that voice from your head, the imposter syndrome voice. I hate <laughs> yeah. that voice. Still get it sometimes, time to time. Yeah, I know. Um, so then how did you end up at Swiggy? Swiggy, okay. Uh, actually, the company approached me. Uh, honestly, you know, housing was the last company I applied to. Every other okay. job that I switched to, I was approached. Uh, and um, that's how it happened. So Zeta happened... Uh, when, you know, most of the people who quit housing, they went and joined mm-hmm. Zeta here in Bangalore. Uh, mm-hmm. Housing was in Mumbai. And, uh, you know, some of my friends from housing had also come. Rama being one of them, like I was talking about, mm-hmm. right? So he said that, you know what? I think you should come to Zeta because we are doing some great okay. stuff. Nothing is left in housing. He actually said that because every all, <laughs> all the good people have left. And now, you know, yeah. it's it just sustaining. So there's nothing new that you can do out here. So come to Zeta. We have a lot of opportunity. I said, okay, let's try. <laughs> so that's how I got into Zeta. That's how I got into Zeta. And I spent uh, over two years at Zeta and it was awesome. Wow. Like one of the best, uh, one of the companies with the best working culture, I would say. Even today, I would say Zeta had one of the best cultures when it comes to team and, um, you know, uh, the, the interpersonal relationship between your mm-hmm. colleagues. I think that was awesome at Zeta. 
and i had i made some great friends and who are fr- fr- who are my friends still today and they're not like friends you know they're like family now like you, family, in, yeah. in, in india you know right when guests come <laughs> you serve them food and then the yeah. guest never lifts up the plate it's always the host because that's indian hospitality yeah. so my friends at zeta when they come to my house and they eat they put the plate on the sink so that's the kind of <laughs> because they're not friends they're family yeah. so that that's they're the kind of now. bonding i formed with uh, folks at zeta that is insane so pretty much the folks you worked with they appreciated your work they realized the potential so when they are moving on to different companies again from zeta some people maybe some of them went to swiggy and then they notice and so it's pretty much not just you posting stuff on dribble that's getting these people to contact you but it's your prior work and prior relationships you built with them yeah i would say uh, but but swiggy uh, i think it happened because of the work that i had posted and uh, yes there was a product manager friend who had moved to swiggy from zeta but i think more than that it was the design team out there you know the head of design at swiggy uh, who apparently had seen my work actually he was he was in contact with me for almost a year before i actually moved to swiggy so you know he would always message me once a while and say that hey would you want to come because we are doing some good stuff here so first time when he messaged me i said yeah i would love to be a part of swiggy someday but you know not yet maybe sometime later then 6 months later he again followed up right and then again i said hey you know what not yet you know i'm doing some cool stuff yeah i would want to finish them and then again after around another 6 months this time he got in touch with me via that friend you know the product manager friend that i said so that's when i thought okay you know it's been little over 2 years let's talk and by then swiggy had grown really big and everyone was talking about swiggy's design how good it is and all so i thought maybe it would be a, a good move up in my uh, career so that's when you know i spoke and uh, yeah and the first contact with that swiggy head of design happened via dribble or linkedin or how did he you know, get in touch with you or what what did he like about your work that made made him reach out to you I think he messaged me on LinkedIn if I'm not mistaken. He, mm-hmm. he, I think we were on contact over LinkedIn. And then I think one day he just called me. Uh, I mean uh, he he had my number from my friend and then you know of course we we decided the time and all and then uh, we spoke for some time and then we thought that okay let's meet up at a coffee shop. So what mm-hmm. was supposed to be you know a 40 minute meeting it went on for about 2 and a half hours. So you know oh, wow. where he kept <laughs> he kept telling me about what they are doing at Swiggy you know. uh the new stuff which is coming because back then swiggy was mm-hmm. just a food delivery platform nothing else so he kept mm-hmm. telling me you know we are trying this we are doing that he showed me some concepts in his phone what they were thinking in the direction they are thinking what their you know or three year or five year vision was and then mm-hmm. you know i kind of told a bit about myself like you know what i want in my career or what i have been doing so what he i remember one of the things that he said was uh, he liked my storytelling uh, ability <laughs> like mm-hmm. storytelling not just uh, say in terms of speaking but the stories that i narrated with the concepts or the interactions yeah. that i posted right it said that yes some of them could be impractical i mean i know it too that they are impractical but i did yeah. them just for the heck of it because you know i also yeah. that hey i know this is not possible but you know what i can do it so in the future when this yeah. is going to be possible i will be doing it so so that sort of thing you so he said that the boundaries <laughs> yeah so he said that he liked my thinking so that that the way something could happen and uh, since swiggy was uh, into the consumer side of things like i mean i i i'm i work for the consumer side of uh, swiggy products so he felt i would be a good fit and that's how it happened and how long have you been there now it's almost one and a half years yeah wow that's been a ride man so i'm curious now You have a really nice job now where you're at you're now a manager. So what started off as a management type position at MNC, you've come full circle where now you are a manager, a design manager which you wanted to do, which you love. 
and you started a YouTube channel. So most people I see when they get into such kind of like management positions, they're very comfortable. It's a nice job. You enjoy what you're doing. You don't have to go out there, put in the extra work, get amazing lighting like you have, um, start a YouTube channel. So what made you do that? What made you focus on building your brand? So, you know, the, the idea wasn't here to build a brand over YouTube or via YouTube. Yes, when I started Dribble, yes, making my brand was one of the things because nobody knew me, right? And uh, that's mm -hmm. one thing. You, might, you, you may be the greatest designer in the world, but if the world doesn't know it, then you are probably nobody, right? So, so when I started Dribble five years back, so that's when I thought that, you know, I need to show off to the world or I need to show off to the people and establish myself. But YouTube wasn't really that thing. Uh, YouTube happened because uh, even before YouTube for the last, I think three or four years, I've been a very active speaker, offline events, you know? Okay. So I would go to, uh, I would get invited to different conferences and colleges and companies where they would want me to, you know, speak about design or conduct a workshop for them. I've done it in India mm -hmm. and also in some places overseas, right? So where I would, I would professionally be invited for this. Okay. Then also I thought that, you know, maybe I should uh, explore YouTube someday because my audience would be much bigger. But then I thought, my forte lies in the personal interaction that I do, you know, my stage yeah. presence or the kind of stories I narrate, the fact that I, you know, walk around and interact with people in, in real time. That's what is my strength is what I thought, right? But mm -hmm. then this lockdown happened during COVID and uh, that didn't change anything. You know, people would still reach out to me, but now for online yeah. events. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I thought, okay, I'm not really the best person for webinar, but let's try. Then I tried yeah. webinars. And actually the response was better because the audience would be much larger because it's not bound by geographies. So, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, someone could be listening to me from Canada, from Singapore, from different parts of the world, which mm -hmm. wasn't possible before. I would only be restricted to the place I'm speaking at. And I saw that I could, I could do a large number of things that I would do in my offline events, in an online event as mm -hmm. well. I would still interact with people. I would still, you know, narrate stories and do almost everything. So that gave me the confidence that maybe, you know, I can do online stuff as well. So that was the biggest trigger why I chose to start the YouTube channel. Another reason was uh, I also mentor a lot of designers. Uh, every day I have a call schedule. I don't have one today because I'm speaking to you. Otherwise, every yeah. evening I have a call schedule with someone who can, you know, just block a slot in my calendar. And what I figured out was most of the people, they're beginners, right? Either job seekers mm -hmm. or someone, a design enthusiast, their questions would be similar. So I yeah. found myself repeating the same thing almost in every call. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't have a degree. How do I do? Yes, I have an answer yeah. for that. You know, but I, I, I did this, but I'm not able to do that. So what do I do? I have an answer for that. Yeah. So I thought that, you know, what if I could make videos for all of them? And next time somebody asked me a question, I was like, hey, you know what? Follow that video. <laughs> yes. Right? So, so that's how YouTube happened. And do you remember the month when you started it? Yeah, I remember. It was end of May. End of May. Beginning of June sometime, you know, in May, June, something. Yeah. 2020. 2020, yes. Oh, wow. And uh, how many subscribers have you now? I touched 10,000 just three days back, two days back, I guess. That is insane. It's such a short time. Yeah, it's it's short, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to my viewers, I would say. So how do you manage the workload between, I would say, the Swiggy day job, then you've got you know, making videos on YouTube, because I see you make a lot of video tutorials and that probably takes some planning and scripting. Yes, yes. And then you've got the mentor calls that you're doing to help other people break into design. At times it gets difficult, but uh, you know, I, I have this thing that 
I will never compromise on the quality. So that's what I have in my mind. I know a lot of people say that you don't have to be perfect or even near perfect. As long as you're 70% there, it makes no difference yeah. whether you're 70 or 100. Many people say that. I know that if I follow that, I'll be able to churn out more videos, but I don't want to do that. Correct. You know, I'm fine if I do not post every week or every two weeks, you know, but as long as I'm not convinced of the content that I'm pushing, I will not make a video, mm -hmm. right? In between, you know, I, I was... Uh, uh, I was, I think, consistent enough and I posted every week. But last, I think, couple of weeks, I couldn't. I have been posting every two weeks now because, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been involved in a few other things. So, you know, I didn't really have the mental space. So I thought that, no, I, I wouldn't want to do a, uh, you know, a substandard job. So I would rather wait. And only when I have that space, I would make it. So I've given a pause of two weeks until um, my previous video, which I posted just two days back. So that's what I have been seeing. It gets difficult, but uh, nights, nighttime is the right time for me. And that's again, something my <laughs> college taught me. I know that, you know, I told you, right? The power of a night out, you can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I utilize my nights. <laughs> I don't mind, you know, once a week, if I am sleeping at five in the morning, it's fine because I can function without sleep for one day. Next day, maybe I will sleep yeah. an hour extra. So that way I'm able to manage it. Oh my God. So you've got like the whole swiggy thing going on during the week, you're making the video. Yeah. So do you actually like, write down like what I like let's say you're trying to make a video tutorial on Figma or whatever tool you're using right now do you like write down like what you're going to cover in the video and do you do the editing and everything yourself yes everything everything so uh the more I spend the most amount of time on the script uh because yes of course it can be unscripted uh, talk as well like yeah. what we are doing but then uh, the thing about unscripted is uh, I'd be repeating a lot of things I would be fumbling yeah. mumbling and you know I would be it's a lot of crap inside. So what I feel is yes. my audience don't deserve that. You know, I've, I've yeah. asked for just give me your 10 minutes and I'm going to give you a power packed content. And for that planning is absolutely yeah. important. So, you know, I have notion docs where I write I, each and every sentence I analyze at times I write bullet points and at times I write the whole thing as well, because I know mm -hmm. that what I'm, what I want to drive the story that I'm going to narrate or the examples or analogies that I'm going to use, everything mm -hmm. is pre-decided. And then, you know, I just go and record. Right. I don't follow every word, of course, but as long as, you know, I know what I'm trying to say, I cover that. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's about, it's about UX of the video, I would say, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. just give what is important, what the user wants, just give it to them. And even this conversation was scripted to some extent where we actually figured out the theme for it. I mean, I, I try right. to like do that instead of, because otherwise it'll just be all over the place. Right. Right. So there are definitely like some guardrails where I try sure. to like focus in. Something I am wondering is, um, you know, as you get more and more popularity on YouTube, you're building the brand name. I'm not saying this happens everywhere, but there's going to be a point where people at your company, where you work, realize that, oh, look, he's a YouTube star. He's this and stuff. So have you ever wondered how that might conflict with your work job where people kind of feel like, oh, he's just focused more on his, his own brand, even though that's not true, okay. but it's there. Like some people might be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it happens and uh, there, there might have been instances in the past as well, you know, where I where I got to know from various sources that there are people talking behind my back about different things, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, when I heard it for the first time, it affected me a lot. I thought it wouldn't, but you know, when I heard it, I was like, okay, let me, uh, talkers will talk. I don't have to bother. Yeah. But then it ended up affecting me a lot, right? Uh, I remember for two to three days or even more. I was thinking about that. Why, why did they say that? Why did they feel that way? Because, you know, I thought they're friends and stuff, right? So, yeah. and that would affect a few other things. You know, I, I ended up, you know, maybe uh, fighting with my wife <laughs> or, or because I know mm -hmm. that something else is in my head 
and I'm just taking yeah. it out in different other ways. And I thought that that's very unhealthy. Yeah. And today yeah. I've reached a stage where it's honestly doesn't bother me. You know, if someone talks, I know that when you're doing something, whether it's good or bad, there will be people who will love you. There'll be people who will hate you and you mm-hmm. cannot impress everyone. I have accepted that fact. Okay. So I think that's a part of life. And so far work is concerned. That is, uh, you know, say my company people, I don't think anyone looks at looks at it that way. Right, that you know that he is concentrating only on YouTube because I make sure that I do not mix these two things. When I'm working for mm-hmm. Swiggy, I'm completely working for Swiggy. When I'm making my videos, I do not think about Swiggy and vice versa. So I think that's that's one of the things which is important, and I have separated it clearly out from my work. And in fact, uh, uh, my company people they know that I'm into YouTube and recording videos and all the stuff. So they reach out to me for various things because I have done a lot of things for my company's learning and develop and the L and D team, like they say. So they reach out oh, to wow. me. Hey, you have been doing a great job at YouTube. Why don't you create a course for our internal people? I said, Yeah, why not? Let's do it. So you know, why don't you be a part of this podcast or why don't you conduct a session for the non-designers of our organization? So yeah. they are actually very supportive in that aspect and. Uh, uh, they they celebrate from the HR team till the LND team. Everyone I think is uh, is very happy about the fact and uh, they like it. That is an amazing way to put it, man. Like there's always going to be haters no matter what you do. There's always going to be trolls and <laughs> yeah. people. Oh my yeah. god, I definitely definitely love the way you look at things in that. But you still want to keep your brand independent, right? Like if I ever Swiggy or any of their companies, like hey, would you just want to like run our own channel? where you are the one doing everything, but it's under their brand. Would you ever consider that or just keep your brand independent? No, I think I'm open to everything. In fact, I'm already doing it for some organizations, right? Not organizations, rather, you know, say it's some tools, some some tool company reaches out and says that, hey, you know, will you make some tutorials for our product, right? And we'll mm-hmm. post it in our channel, you know, and you will get the popularity and all this stuff. I'm yeah. fine with that. I'm fine with that, right? So I think that's not a problem as long as it doesn't conflict with anything. So only thing, the only I clause see. that I have is from my company is that I cannot be employed with anybody else, right? As long as I take care of that bit, I think I'm fine. I'm clean. So and also Swiggy is a startup, right? There are companies like say bigger companies like say maybe Apple, for for instance. I know that if you join Apple, you're not allowed to talk or post anything about design and social media. So I have a yeah. very uh, I have a YouTuber friend. Uh, who recently joined Apple and he's not allowed to post videos anymore, right? So he's not allowed to post on Dribble. He's not allowed to post or even or, if he talks about something else. No, he's not allowed to. As long as it's about design, what? he's not allowed to. So, so they have oh some rules. God, you know, they're bigger me. companies, stricter <laughs> companies. So, uh, yeah. so I'm lucky that Swiggy is not one of those companies. And in fact, <laughs> they they like me doing all these things uh, <laughs> that way. Oh my God. So what advice would you give to anybody listening or anybody listens to it afterwards or somebody just wondering, you know, I don't have a degree in design and, but I do want to break into design. What would you tell them now having gone through that path? Well, I would say, look at the examples, you know, uh, right. Some of the best people that I've worked with uh, didn't have a design degree. Okay. So I think as of today in 2018, 1920 is when people started feeling that, yeah, design is a good job. It pays you well and stuff. So they started studying design, but before that it wasn't the case. So, you know, the senior people in the industry, many of them haven't really studied design. They have all Mm -hmm. self-learned. They've learned from their experience. They've learned from the internet. They've learned from the people around. And it is possible because design largely is about common sense. And as long as you're able to Mm -hmm. uh, make use of your common sense in the right way, and of course, marry it with a bit of you know, design specific skills, could be tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be good. 
But what is important is like self-learning anything, be it design or anything, discipline is very important because uh, there's no one who's watching you. There's no one who is going to take your examination and then say that, hey, you have passed or you have failed. There are no test papers or anything. So you're all by yourself. So you are everything. So for that, you need to be very disciplined. And that is important if you want to crack into this field all by yourself without having a degree. And what if someone doesn't have a portfolio with design projects in it? Then you make it work towards it. <laughs> See, portfolio is really important from a job finding perspective. So if you're looking for a, mm-hmm. if you want to apply for a company, portfolio is the first thing. Resume isn't important. We don't look at resume at all. Uh, I don't know about other companies. I'm just talking about the kind of companies that I have worked mm-hmm. for, the startups. No one really cares about your resume. It's just that, you know, once you have offered, once you started working, the HR may come and say that, hey, can you give your resume? I need to keep it in the file just for the records. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. Well, resume, but portfolio is everything. It's the face of a candidate candidate so far design is concerned so i would say while you're self-learning work towards your portfolio right many people say that i haven't worked for any company i haven't worked on any real project so what do i have in yeah. my portfolio you can always have mock projects i think you know i covered this topic in one of my youtube videos as well so you can always think of any problem that the world has as of today and can you think of a solution digital in this case because we are essentially talking about digital product design here can you think mm-hmm. of a product which can solve it and can you work on it as if it was a real product right because you see the product may be a mock one but your effort is always yeah. uh, real right so as long as, the as you yeah the thinking and the effort that you put towards it as long as that is real i think we are good so you can always have a portfolio case study with a mock project or a mock app or a website in it and how do people find you especially on youtube and other places i think youtube is a good place uh, i'm available on every social media i'm there on linkedin i'm there on instagram i'm there on facebook every other place actually and uh, in case people want to get in a, get on a call with me i have my calendly link you know which i share with all my youtube videos on the description you will find you know get on a call with me so you can click on that and see what are the available slots on my calendar and you can go and uh, you know, book a slot and get on a 30 minute call with me. So all those options are there. And that's free, right? Yeah, that's free. Uh, but I have a paid slot as well. Uh, uh, the reason was to create some friction because uh, um, all my slots, it's, it's very likely that if you go and browse that, mm-hmm. you would find that all my slots for the next one month are booked. Okay. Yeah. So that's the reason. There are many people who reach out and say that, hey, I have a very urgent thing. So how do I prioritize mm-hmm. that, right? But manually, if I start doing it for everyone, then it's going to be a nightmare for me. So I thought that, you know, yes. let me create a fast lane, a, bit, a, a lane with a bit of friction, nothing, you know, yeah. it's very minimal amount so that, you know, I understand that your, your situation is really important and you need to talk to me urgently. So there's a paid slot as well, but there's no difference between uh, the two slots. I do the same thing. I speak in the same way. I give the same kind of advice. Wow. And how much is the duration? 30 minutes? Yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah. But, you know, it's honestly, it's not strict unless I have another call. Uh, there have been yeah. many cases where I have exceeded time and, you know, we were just engrossed yeah. in talking. So it's just totally fine. And in USD, if I have to get in the fast lane, how much would I pay? Seven. All right. So everybody listening, this is freaking insane. Like if you want to really like have a question, how to like break into the design industry, especially if you want to like break into some of these startups in India, like Swiggy, Zeta, and some of the ones that um, Sapta already knows about. I would say get on the goddamn fast lane, seven US dollars. And I think, what is it, 500 rupees? It's totally worth it. Do it. Do it now. So just want to say, man, it's been a blast, dude. Thank you so much 
for coming on the show, man. I've learned a lot from you. You're welcome, Janil. I think it was great being a part of this and uh, it was great interacting with you. I think the way you asked the questions and you know, followed up with uh, different things, it was a different kind of experience. Like I've been a part of many other podcasts, but this was certainly different and I can say it right here. No, thanks, man. I, my hardest challenge is to shut up and just listen <laughs> and let the guests shine because I am very talkative when I'm myself. But the thing is, I'm a huge fan of, uh, what is it? Um, I think Larry uh, Larry King, uh, one of the top interviewers I've always looked up to. So over the, like, this is, uh, what is it? Like my 40th interview, I think. And then what I've learned is um, that even though I want to like inject myself and then tell my stories, but then I have to tell myself like, this is not about you. It's about Sapta and his story. And that's what like his listeners want to hear. So, I mean, I, I might share a few things here and there, but it's not to hijack the conversation. So, I mean, now I can speak more because towards the end, but uh, during the time I try to like just ask questions to point more so that you can open up more and share more stories. So anyways, a little bit of rant. But. <laughs> no, I think it was all good. Uh, <laughs> I love listening to your bits as well. And I don't think you hijacked at all. <laughs> yeah. No, but thanks once again. And everybody... Please share, subscribe to this channel, and then we'll see you next time. If you made it this far, you are what I call a Design MBA super fan. And I've got a gift for you, my super fan. Head over to designmba.show where you will find my email address. Email me one thing you learned from this podcast episode, and I will get on a 30-minute call with you and help you in your career goals. See you in the next episode.